What is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm Noah Strackbine, joined every Friday by my main man, Derek Bell. Find us on YouTube.com slash Talk or subscribe anywhere you get your podcast today. Fully loaded show. Week two of OTAs closes down in the south side. It was definitely eventful, more eventful than week one. Things are starting to heat up for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Glad to have you back. Glad to be live. It's been a minute since we've been live. Return from Disney. Me and Steven, like I was telling you before the show, made a little joke out of it. It's all right. I'm glad that you're fun. How was it? How was your week? How was your, uh, how was your time off, my man? It was good, man. It's nice to recharge the batteries a little bit, but my daughter loved it, man. She she loves Disney. So that was that was cool, man. That's what it's all about. It definitely makes uh definitely makes all like the hours and stuff that you put in, like you know, worth it getting to, you know, enjoy stuff like that. So I'm yeah, happy no to doubt. be back though. It is, has been nice. You know, I did, I was able to kind of sneak away and do some, do some film stuff while I was there. I took my laptop, but I, I made sure that I wasn't like working unless like they were sleeping. So I, I did hold up <laughs> on my end of the bargain on that. So I think about that all the time. I'm going on vacation in like two weeks now, two and a half weeks or mm-hmm. something. And, and Jillian knows, you know, like my fiance, she gets it. And, she, but she, yeah. every day she's like, so like you like you have like a time for how much you're going to be working like I'm going to try so hard to limit it to like an hour a day. But, you know, all the, uh, zero zero is not happening. I just yeah. there's nothing in my brain that tells me zero could be a thing you yeah. for you, though. It's good, though, because you don't sleep as it is. So I'm sure yeah. that you just hung out with the mouse all night long and <laughs> did some yeah. film reviews. Me and the mouse is watching film. <laughs> all right, let's dive into it. The Pittsburgh Steelers finished week two. Of OTAs, it was definitely eventful. Joey Porter Jr. kind of made his way into the first team a little bit while Patrick Peterson slid into the, the slot. Corey Trice had a huge last day of practice with two interceptions, and according to, Mont- to DeMonte KZ, a couple of batted balls down as well. He seems to be finding his feet. There's a right tackle competition that might not be very real. Could just be an overblown rumor. We're going to dive into all that. I do want to start with a question here. Shout out to... Teeman, Timon, Timon 55. Do you think the Pittsburgh Steelers can win the division? And if not, who in the wild card would be a harder competition for the AFC? If I if I'm reading that one right. Do you think mm. the Steelers can win the AFC North? Yeah, I mean, I still think Cincinnati's the favorite. You know, just full disclosure, I, I think that just on paper with what they did last year, um, I, I think that they're still going to be the favorite. Could the Steelers win the division? Like, yeah, anything can happen. I think the North is still going to be extremely competitive. I mean, all three, all four teams last year split the division. And, yep. you know, I, I definitely see something similar uh, to that happening again this year. I mean, you just look at like Baltimore, new offensive coordinator. I think they're really excited about that. You know, Lamar, if Lamar is healthy, Lamar's, you know, Baltimore always wins a ton with Lamar. He wins like 70 yeah. something percent of his games. Um, we'll see what happens with Cleveland. The, they would probably be like the least of my concern if I was like a Steelers fan, you know, concerned about the division right now. But Cincinnati definitely, to me, is still the favorite. You know, yeah. I, I think that that's, as far as the wild card thing, man, like the AFC is, you know, it's still a lot stronger than the NFC. So you are right about that. Like, you know, it is going to be harder to win the wild card in the AFC than it is the NFC. But I think the Steelers have positioned themselves well to uh, to potentially put themselves in the mix there. We'll just have to see how it all plays out. Yeah, I agree. Cincinnati's got to be the upper hand right now. They got to be the favorite until proven otherwise. Baltimore, while 
they are a strong number two. The Pittsburgh Steelers have competed with them. I expect them to compete with them this year. And just like you said, Cleveland's a team that, you know, we'll see. And I actually do want to talk about the Cleveland Browns. Let's start there, actually. DeAndre Hopkins, according to Aaron Wilson, there's a strong possibility he ends up in Pitt, or in Cleveland. Meanwhile, Deshaun Watson's throwing three passes at practice and people are losing their minds over it, just like we do with Kenny Pickett, which is fine. That's this this time it's of the OTA year. That's OTA season. That's OTA seasons. I mean, if DeAndre Hopkins ends up in Cleveland, it's obviously a boost for that offense, no matter where he goes. But there are concerns that he lost his touch, that he doesn't have a speed anymore, that he doesn't have the legs underneath him. You look at this as a, as a move that would move the needle for the Browns, maybe make them even harder of a competition for the Steelers to get past this season. Uh, I mean, how can still play? I think like a lot of people are saying, you know, um, you know, just with his age that he's lost a step. I've seen some people speculating on that. Um, that's probably true just because he is in his like early thirties. Now he's like 32 years old, I think. Um, but the thing is like Hopkins, like if you remember him coming out of college, like he, he tested terribly. Like he's never been yes. a separator. So I think a lot of people are kind of maybe, oh, maybe overblowing that a little bit just because like, that's never how he's won. Like he's always kind of won with like body control technique. You know, he's got some of the best hands, if not the best hands in the league. As far as Cleveland, though, do they do they need Hopkins? I mean, no, I don't think so. It would be nice to have him. I, I'm not saying like, you know, but I think, you know, they traded they traded for Elijah Moore. Uh, it seems like he's having a really strong OTAs. But I mean, they drafted Cedric Tillman in the second or third round. A guy who, in my opinion, could probably do some like Hopkins light stuff. Like if he mm-hmm. hits the ceiling, um, they still got Peoples Jones. Obviously, Amari Cooper is the number one wide receiver. So I don't know if they need – I don't know if they need Hopkins. I'm sure that they would like to have him, but uh, – I'm sure everybody would like did to you have see him. That yeah. the, did you see that Hopkins said – he didn't mention Watson, though, as like the quarterbacks that he wanted yeah, to play yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what, it was like uh, – it was Josh Allen. Hurts. Mahomes. Hertz. Yeah, yeah. I can't J- remember the full list, but Watson Herbert. wasn't Justin on there. Justin Herbert yeah. was on there. Watson was all, not on there. All the all the usual names that everybody Yeah, yeah, it was all the say, big names but... except for Joe Burrow, but, I mean, nobody wants to. No wide receivers well, should want to go to Cincinnati. Right yeah, now. I mean, where yeah. you going to play? <laughs> there's no, there's no one to play. two number one wide receivers. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. DeAndre Hopkins ends up in Cleveland. Ooh, scary. I get it, but, like, scary than Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore and all these guys already? I don't think so. You know, I think that whole entire team depends on Deshaun Watson. That's, yeah, that's I think just it, what it comes it down would to. Make them, it would make them better, but it's really just a question of, like, you know, a, what's he gonna cost? Like, do you do yeah. you do they need him? Is that their number one need right now? I I don't know. I, I would probably need to think a little bit more about it to be honest, rather than just off the cuff. But um, Hopkins is the type of receiver, and this isn't me saying that, oh, you know, wherever he goes, like the Steelers could just one hundred percent shut him down. But like, I just look at the Steelers who they got in the secondary right now with all the length they got. Uh, you know, Levi Wallace, Pat True. Pete, Corey Trice, Joy Porter Jr. Like. Those type of guys, that profile doesn't scare me as much, um, just to be completely honest with you. Like that contested yeah. catch receiver type, um, like throwback X receiver, like that that type doesn't really scare me as much as, as just in terms of what Pittsburgh has in the secondary. So uh, yeah. to me, it would still be me more so worried about Cooper rather than like Hopkins. If, if it's a one-for-one thing and I'm going into the week trying to game plan who I'm going to stop, like I would probably still focus on Cooper. That's just my opinion based on who the Steelers have in the secondary. No, no, I agree. I think that that's what they did is they built up big cornerbacks to 
shut down big wide receivers, and that's DeAndre yeah. Hopkins. I mean, I Coop, also, Coop cooked them in the in the cooked, uh, cooked first game them. last year. A yeah. little bit different defense, but the very different defense. And Cal Witherspoon was hit or miss at the time. Yeah. I, but that's who I would still worry about. Like, if you're going to have to focus on DeAndre Hopkins, that just makes Amari Cooper more dangerous. That would be the guy in Cleveland, no matter who's there. So yeah. I agree with that one. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on in the comments here saying that that he's going to end up in Kansas City. I think that is the scariest place for him to end up, if we're being honest. End up in Cleveland before you end up in Kansas City. Because if the Steelers <laughs> have to make their way through Kansas City to get to the Super Bowl somehow, you know, in the next two years, I'm not facing D hop. Like I'd rather, I'd rather twice in the regular season, figure it out. It is what it is. Get to the playoffs. Not have to worry about D hop anymore. That's how I view it. Um, do you remember this? No, still needs a shotgun for loco for not giving us a draft. Thanks early. Even when he knew them way <laughs> earlier than us. I don't, I don't remember you. You, uh, I don't remember this promise being made. Yeah. No, my guy, my guy might've made that. Deal, yeah, 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 but I don't know. Might have shotgun to four loco, and then said, "You want to know who should do this one?" Noah. I did. Uh, I didn't know any picks. I did know the Joey P- Porter Jr. pick. I will say that one. The only one I gave it away to was uh, my neighbor, who texted me five minutes before the pick and was like, "Should I give up on the Joey Porter Jr. hopes?" And I just sent him back the eyeballs, and I was like, "Maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe not, maybe not yet." Oh, Besides that, I, I do know this. I do know this dude. <laughs> Oh, they were trying okay, to get okay. me. They were trying to say they were trying to get me a uh, shotgun for loco too. When I was when we were streaming for the, we for might the just have to do it at some point. We just have to drunk episode My loco of all Steelers talk over. Yes, far they've from, been over. They've the been very, over, but yes, for a long, long, long time, long, long, long. You're old, and you're older than me too, so you're around for like the four yeah. loco getting banned and then come back days. You know, like yeah. we we had the we had the original four locos, the, the ones that were killing people. Yeah, good times. <laughs> good times. All right, let's talk Corey Trice, Joey Porter Jr. Those were probably the biggest stars of week week two for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Corey Trice had, like I said, a two interception, couple of batted balls day to finish the week. Huge, especially because DeMonte KZ, I talked to Levi Wallace afterwards, and he said that what made that play the best, because they went back to back. The first one, ever, the offense was like, oh, it's pass interference. Corey Trice didn't get it, blah, blah, blah. They come back on next play, interception. What made that the best was that DeMonte KZ before practice told the offense that they were coming up with five picks that day. That was their fifth pick. That was the fifth one by Corey Trice. Huge day. Joey Porter Jr. Meanwhile, is taking first team reps on the outside. Patrick Peterson's bouncing inside to play a little bit of the slot. We expected this. I didn't really expect it this early in OTAs. I figured that was more of a training camp thing than anything. Probably a good sign that they're already ready to mix this around do you see this being the the set do you see this kind of just being a teaser like how do you view the situation yeah I mean I think it's gonna be just in my opinion I think it's gonna be a committee thing like what what are they gonna do on early downs like what are they gonna do and then like passing nickel what are they gonna do like when they go like Dom I, I think to me I think early downs it would still kind of surprise me like if he did play like a run stopping nickel roll like Mallette, like maybe that's what Sullivan does. Maybe I've also thought about like potentially like on the, on like first and 10 situations where they're trying to get like eight in the box. Um, mm-hmm. If you're in nickel, like maybe throwing like KZ down there and playing Neil at strong safety, like in the hole. I, I don't think that Peterson, here's the thing. 
we want to talk about the slot or P- Peterson, or, or do we want to talk about Trice? I got no, takes the, on both. Let's go. Let's start Peterson. Let's start Peterson okay, and so because I think that first team rep, like how we're gonna how they're gonna utilize that is yeah. So listening to Peterson one. talk, like you can tell, like even though he hasn't really done it, like for real, for real. He mm-hmm. understands the point of being in the slot. Like, I love this quote talking about, like, understanding his leverage. Leverage is everything, especially in secondary. But, like, really in the slot, like, if you don't understand your leverage and where your help is, like, you're screwed. It doesn't yeah. – that's the number one thing that you have to do. So, like, the fact that he understands that is good. Like, he's a bet. He's been, he been around seeing everything. The problem is there's going to be some things that you just can't do with him in the slot at this stage of his career. Like, they're – they're going to be able to put certain types of receivers in the slot that are going to give him trouble, especially what are those types of wide receivers guys that can really run like Peterson, like he can still do some things and he's not like, I don't want to say like he's completely washed or anything, but like athletically, he's not the same player that he was even five years ago. Like it's just, and you see it with how Minnesota was using him last year a little bit, but Mm -hmm. in the slot, it's a little bit difficult because I, my theory is like when he plays on the outside this year, he's going to get to press more when he was like a younger corner and coming into the league with Arizona. I listened to a podcast with his, uh, his position coach when he was a re- like a young player in Arizona. And basically when he came in, his coach said like, this is, these are the techniques that we play. Like, what do you like to do? He said, coach, I just like to press. And they literally let him press nonstop. He didn't do anything <laughs> else. He pressed every play. So they would press him, and then like eight out of ten times he'd be pressed playing like motor technique or whatever he wants to play, and then they would bail him out. That's it. The problem is like when you're in the slot, like you can't really press. So it's like you're yeah. playing like off. If, if they ask him to play like off or catch man, like there's certain receiver types that he's not going to be able to do that athletically. Yeah, true. Anymore. Very true. Very true. That is so a concerning thing. Yeah, yeah. And he did play off ball last year, but he played in a zone heavy scheme. Makes things very different. Yeah. Do you, how do you that defense it? is completely different? That's what I'm saying. Like it's such a different defense. To so, me, to me, yeah. I think the best the best way, like I think there are certain things that you'll be able to do with him. Like if people are putting, so for example, if like if teams are putting like power slot guys in the slot, like yeah. in the dom, like you can have him match up with those guys. Or if you want to play him like where the, where they're going like six corners or six DBs, whatever. In the in the dom, like you can have him play Sutton's role, which is more like you can move him around, like in more in like zone coverages. But like if you if you want to play like man, like he can he can match up with tight ends. Like those guys aren't going to run away from him. He's really physical. He's heavy for a corner. He's got long arms. Like he can one hundred percent do all that. It's just like if teams know where he's going to be, and that's like my thing. Like I don't think it probably won't be as big of a deal like in the first couple weeks of the season if they put him in there. My thing is, like, after you have, like, a month of tape and, like, other teams get tendencies on the Steelers on, like, okay, like, if we get third and seven, these are the packages they like to play, this is where he's going to be. Teams will start putting guys in matchups because they know where he is and, like, they may be able to attack him with speed. And, like, Mm -hmm. he mentioned – I know he talked about Calvin Austin, like, running by and whatever, like, it's OTAs, like everybody gets beat. I'm not tripping about that, but like those yeah. are the types of guys, like guys that can really, really run. Like he just can't. I mean, he's 33 years old. You can only expect him to do so much at this stage of his career. So yeah, you yeah, just yeah. have to be really mindful about how you're using him. He's going to need help. He's not just going to be able to like go and defend all these two way goes and man coverage against every single type of receiver. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. And he said with the Calvin Austin thing that he got a grip on him at the end. And 
was able to pull him back. And I expect him to be able to do that with a lot of those guys. Luckily for them, at least, you know, you're going to have to, like when Stefan Diggs moves inside, that's scary for them. Obviously, Jamar Chase and, and more and more teams are doing that stuff. That's, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Yeah, that's where it gets concerned. But like, you know, Amari Cooper, you could probably match up well against Amari Cooper. Those types of guys. Bateman, kind of, sort of. He's fast, but he's not super fast. I think that it's it's a concern, but I think it's something that the Steelers could work on. I think the issue is that the other option is Shannon Sullivan. Like, that's where, yeah. you know what I mean? Patrick Peterson would be a phenomenal 1B if your 1A was really good. But your 1A is like a 3. Yeah, so and you're, I, you're in a situation. I still think that they can they can do it. Like you know, if they because so if they're wanting him to play, say like second and long, whatever they're playing, you know, nickel. That's a big um, that's a big time where like the, the Steelers like to play their like Tampa two stuff. Like he he can play like hook curl. Like I'm not saying yeah. he can't do that. It's just when they're wanting to play, you know. If if they get into you know third and medium whatever and they're playing like they're passing nickel stuff and they're asking him to go play like you know if we're playing cover one and they got they're moving really fast like athletic guys in the slot like he's yeah. at this stage of his career like that's those those matchups are not really what I think where he's going to excel now I do think he can match up with tight ends and like that could definitely come in handy too like I mean you're going to see Mark Andrews. Um, I was watching some film from the Raiders game uh, just in the past like week, like how they were using Minka to kind of take away Darren Waller, and they did some bracket stuff. Yeah. And Peterson can do that stuff. It's just um, I think I that's think where they some, thrive. Some receiver matchups is that they'll be able to match up him on tight ends, Keanu Neal on tight ends, which Keanu Neal is massive. And like oh, I knew he was huge, a big yeah. dude. Yeah, in person, the man is a brick. It, it's, it's just he's a tank. Like it's actually. He's a scary human being to look at. Alandon Roberts too, both just like, oh, don't don't talk to them. They're very intimidating <laughs> human beings. Um, but I think that's where they'll thrive. But I agree with you. There is some issue there. I think once we get into camp, they'll. My thing here is that there's so many options for the Steelers right now that you could probably figure out a way to work around your weaknesses. Whereas in last year, it was like, this is who we have. We don't have any depth. We got to figure it out. The, I think this year you have the ability to say, all right, well, if we got a but if DeMonte KZ has to help in the nickel a little bit, he'll be able to because Keanu Neal could be back there. Uh, you know, Corey Trice could come off the bench if need be. James Pierre is still probably there. Joey Porter Jr. You know, Levi Wallace is a true number one for these guys this season. Like, uh, they have options. They have enough options to yeah. kind of and OTAs, OTAs too. Like, I'm glad that they started. You know, at least like experience you know, experimenting with some of this stuff now instead of waiting. Cause I mean, OTAs training camp, like that's when they need to be trying all these different combinations, you know? Yes. And And also the thing is last year and the year before that, it's every year, it's like the end of training camp. You'll see Cam Sutton move into the slot like the last week, which you're like, why, why why, why haven't you been doing this? Well, see to me, Sutton, and this is the thing that they're not going to have the advantage of this year with Sutton not here, but like Sutton has always been that like break glass in case of emergency type of player. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, he yeah. has that versatility. So they could try all the other BS and say, like, all right, we're going to try this this year. We're going to try to move this. We're going to try to keep Cam on the outside. But then, like, when it doesn't work or get certain matchups, they have the capability of moving him inside. That's why I was telling, that's why to me, that's like the one disappointing thing about the offseason is that Sutton walked. And I understand it, but like, Sutton's versatility and the ability to consistently do that it just he's a big piece on the chessboard and like that I just like being able to have guys that are comfortable playing both spots because they just don't really 
they don't for sure have it right now. I don't, yeah. I, I don't think so. Um, but we'll see how it plays out now in terms of, um, let's yeah, talk a little Corey bit about Trice. Corey Trice. Um, so you mentioned that KZ, uh, was, was telling you guys about, um, you know, how well he played. I actually heard, uh, I got a DM when I woke up yesterday, uh, right after a practice ended and said that, uh, the receivers also said that Trice was like playing extremely well. Like yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I was told I, that the receivers, uh, like the quote was uh that he was next up. It said, "Yeah, he's really good." So oh, the, next it's up. not just, yeah, it's not just the the corners and the defense that was really impressed with how he's been playing. Like there there was receiver talk um after practice about how how well he was playing. So yeah, I think that's the thing. A lot of buzz. Like, you look at this kid and he's got the physic, he's got the physicality, he's got the size. That's what everybody talks about. Like I talked to Levi Wallace when I talked to Levi Wallace on Thursday. That was the first thing he said. It was like it is ridiculous how freaking big him and Joey Porter. Jr. He has are. a they they both have. I mean, Porter's a little he's a little uh, like skinnier. He, he's, yeah. he's not as yeah. big, but like Trice has like legitimate like strong safety type build. Like if, Dude, you, if you just walk massive. him out on the field, like that's yeah. a, that's what position you would think you would play. Yeah. Him and Akeem Butler like go up against each other, and like you know, I'm not allowed to say what happens at practice. Decepticons. <laughs> Yeah, it really is. Like, it's just like, oh, my God, I didn't think they made athletes this big. Like, I, I didn't think this yeah. was a real thing. And he looks bigger than Akeem Butler. Like, he's he's built bigger. You know what I mean? He's mm-hmm. got more muscle mass to him. I My thing here is, like, he's a seventh-round pick. So, the expectations have to be very low for him this season. They cannot be – it is not – he's going to start because he's not. He's not going to start. If just make he, the team. Just make the That's team. All I care and about. I think it is. Like, I think it's very hard for him not to make this team this season, especially when you're that big. Like, the Steelers aren't going to look at this guy and go, oh, we drafted a seventh round corner who's six foot three and was decently impressive, even without pads on. I think, I think one good day OTAs was like, all right, let's move him way up the list here of not going to get cut. And now he's got to somehow work his way back down it if he's going to get cut. But, it's the expectation should just be that like be able to come off the bench. If, if a worst case situation happens, maybe play a little bit here or there from time to time, but like you shouldn't be needed on the field this season. But the fact that, that he is impressing, even if it's against threes is like huge. Like that's sure. That's you the start future, somewhere. you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah, you, yeah, got, yeah. you got to start somewhere and we try Like we talked about moving like Peterson, potentially playing some of the slot and all that stuff. Like, their ability to move Peterson around and do some different things with him is also going to depend on how well Porter Jr. and potentially yes. Corey Trice are progressing. Like if, mm-hmm. if, if they're not ready this year, then you have to be really like, you're not going to be able to be as creative with Patrick Peterson because like yep. they're going to need him on the outside. So yep. yeah, those guys developments definitely like really important. And I, I think it's, this is the most excited that I've been about the end of the cornerback depth chart for the Steelers in a long time. And it's just because like even yes. Trice and like, I even look at James Pierre, like not that I think like he's a super high ceiling player, but like, I, I just look at how he performed against Tampa and then um, like how he performed against uh, Vegas, like when they needed him to play. And I, I think that he played extremely well. Like you don't see a lot of uh, CB4, CB5 type of guys that are able to come in and like legitimately contribute like even as role players usually those guys are getting um you know targeted by opposing offenses like pierre just did that didn't happen to him last year and i think that that's incredibly encouraging when we're talking about like the end of the roster type of guys that are playing 
that well you know what i'm saying so yeah yeah it's huge it, this is the deepest it's been a long time and maybe it won't work out because it's super early you don't know what joey port jr and Corey dress is going to do but for the last two years me and you have come on this podcast and talked about how the steelers cornerback room stinks and how it has <laughs> no depth and it's a concerning pl- place for for them every single year and this year it's just like yeah they're pretty loaded and if everybody works out actually well they, they i will say even... this and I, i've said this all week go ahead they, but they didn't. They weren't taking any swings. I mean, they, they didn't that's draft what I'm a corner saying. for like that's three was, years. So like that, that's, that's what why I'm saying. being excited about the room is like they've got two young players right now that like yeah. are legitimately really talented. They have the build. They're really big. They're really long. Yep. They, to develop, even like you said, if Corey Trice doesn't contribute at all this year, that's perfectly fine to me. Like that's a pick. Like let's stash this guy. Let's develop him for next year. Like that's yep. that. At least you have something to look forward to. Whereas. You know, even entering the offseason this year, like the Steelers didn't have any type of developmental corner at all uh-huh. uh, on the roster. I mean, Pierre would be the closest thing. And like he's not like a high upside type of guy. He was literally undrafted. So like just for me, I just think that we're headed in the right direction. I- I'm a lot more pleased with like how the de- end of the depth chart looks uh, more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. That's where I was going with that. It's like I think the person who deserves the most credit for that situation is Omar Khan because for some, somehow, sure. some way, everything that we've been worried about the Steelers for the last two years, in a lot of ways, the offensive line, uh, you could say the inside linebacker room, I guess the cornerback room, the wide receivers, you know what I mean? He just went out and he was like, well, we can't, we just got to stop ignoring these things. And he did, and he did all of them and we don't know how they're going to turn out, but on paper it looks pretty good. And you got to feel real good about it. Like just in hindsight, Omar Khan killed it, and I think we have to acknowledge that every single time that he really did kill the offseason. It was it was very impressive. What do you see? Because the, the question is, and I think this is what everybody wants to hear just to end this Corey Trice conversation, do you, do you think he actually does get on the field a little bit this season, or do you think that way too early to tell? Because it is uh, way too early to tell. Yeah, but, but if you had I to make an early prediction. Yeah, I think it's it's early. Like I said, uh, seventh-round pick, man, it's, it's tough. Like, we're just trying to get – get on the 53 i think at this point <laughs> and, and then like let's worry about like playing time and, and stuff like that from there i mean um the thing is like when you're a seven round pick you just don't have as much like you just don't get the same opportunities that like he's not going to get the same opportunities and i guarantee if like you said it um he's not even getting the same opportunities now that joey porter's getting no and that's not, not just close. joey porter's working with the first team he's been just as yeah. impressive as Corey trice yeah i mean it's just you're not gonna get the same amount of opportunities and like draft capital it does matter for nfl teams like whatever they say like oh we're gonna play the best guy like that's that's not always how it works out so yep. uh I, I just want to you know temper some of those expectations but i like i mean if you guys have listened to this podcast and like everything that i've said really since the the draft happened i mean i think trice is really really talented man it's just a matter of staying healthy um and i think that you know i'm optimistic about what this is going to look like in the future i just it's going to take some injuries in my opinion for him to even get a shot in the regular season um you know but, you know, stranger things have happened. We'll, we'll see what training camp brings and how he looks in, in those type of settings in preseason. But yeah, stranger things have happened. Uh, remember that Josh Jackson started for the Pittsburgh Steelers last year and yeah. beat and beat Tom Brady. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, Elijah I Riley, Elijah Riley, Elijah Riley is a sleeper to make this team. I will say that one. Um, all right. I do want to answer some questions. But first, we got a word here from our boys over at Manscapes manscaped friends family and loved ones i bet you haven't purchased a father's day gift yet have you 
not to fear the leaders and below the waist grooming are here. I'm talking about our friends at Manscaped. They're saving the day yet again with the total package for your father figure in your life this year. It's time to upgrade his game from waist to face with this exclusive offer. Have him join the 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get 20% off plus free shipping with our code STEALERS20 at manscaped.com. Let's start with the ultimate Father's Day MVP, the Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, he'll find their signature lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, brand new Weed Whacker 2.0 ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Bricks, and a travel bag to hold all of his goodies. And we can't forget about the moneymaker. Manscaped has absolutely changed the, the game with their new Beard Hedger Pro Kit for fathers around the world. Included in this Beard Hedger Trimmer, Beard Shampoo, Conditioner, Beard Oil, Beard Balm, and two free gifts with their signature beard comb and scissors. We all know dad loves their comfort. If his grooming routine is already dialed, make sure to hook him up with Manscapes Boxers 2.0. These are, without a doubt, the best boxers for men of all ages. Whether he's mowing the lawn, taking out the trash, or golfing in the sun, these moisture-wicking boxer briefs breathe without breaking a sweat. Get 20% off and free shipping with our code STEALERS20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. And all you have to do is use our code STEALERS20. Make this Father's Day one he won't forget with Manscaped. Shout out Manscaped. Shout out uh, when is Father's Day? You should know your dad. It's got to be soon, right? Doesn't even know. You're muted, I think. My bad. Yeah, two, three weeks, I think. Two, three weeks. Oh, the 18th. I got it on a calendar right here. It's good to know. Got to get my dad some Manscaped. It's 100% what I'm getting. Them. Just figured that out right now. All right. Let's uh, let's answer some questions here. There's been a few about Hakeem Butler. I know it's mm-hmm. early, but seeing Hakeem Butler, the mammoth. Do you think he's good? Does he have a really realistic shot to earn one of the final wide receiver spots? Just... I'll, I'll say this. Let me let me start with this one before we dive into Hakeem Butler. Yeah, you've seen him. I have seen him, and I'm not really like allowed to say how impressive he's been or lack of impressive he's been either way. I will say he's been there every day, which is good. The most impressive name I have heard of people that I've talked to, the guy that has been the most impressive of these like smaller unknown wide receivers, five foot zero Jordan Bird, who has been under the wing of Calvin Austin who's impressed a lot of people and seemingly to a lot of people has a shot to really like define when are, are who's going to make this team if he continues in the trajectory that he's been playing. But I will say that Akeem Butler's six twelve, and he looks every inch of it. And it's, you know, it's really hard to look at that guy and say, how do you not keep him around for one reason or another? Yeah. I mean, in terms of Hakeem, man, like we just we haven't really seen him play. Uh, it's like he played a little bit, obviously in the XFL, ex- did extremely well, and you know earned another shot in the NFL. But like we haven't really seen him play in the NFL. Like he's only played a handful of snaps. Um, you know the Eagles were trying him at tight end, so it's just it's a complete dart throw. But I, I mean, I like yeah. it just from the build standpoint, kind of like what we talked about with the um, with the cornerback room. The Steelers have also gotten bigger 
at receiver. You know, they brought in Allen yep. Robinson, got good size. He's a really big receiver. And then, you, you know, you bring in Hakeem Butler as a dart throw. Um, you know, Butler – but one thing I like about Butler, what kind of makes him a little bit different, at least coming out of college compared to, like, a lot of bigger receivers, is how well he transitions after the catch. Um, you know, he's a big dude, could win could win in contested catch situations. Obviously, the catch radius is just massive. He's got, like, 99th percentile wingspan dude, and stuff wild. like that. Yeah. Yeah. But – he transitions to a runner way quicker than like most bigger receivers. At least that's how he was in college. So I'm in, I'm intrigued, but it's going to come down to special teams, man. Like if you're not yeah. a top three, like every NFL team got to be three deep, four deep, really at receiver. But if you're not going to be one of those top three, maybe top four in some offenses, um, if you're not going to be one of those guys, like you have to play special teams. So that's, that to me is like, has he ever done it? Like, is he going to be able to do it well enough in preseason to earn a spot on one of those uh, special team, um, you know, situations like uh, that? That's going to be the big thing for me. I mean, I'm I'm intrigued by him. I'm excited because I think he's going to make uh, preseason a lot more fun. Yes, yeah, preseason will be get a blast. To see and again, like with Mason at quarterback. That's what you I'm know, saying. You're going to get competent. Mason. You're going to get competent enough quarterback play. So we're yep. going to get to see him get opportunities that are going to be ginormous. Well. It's just like there'll be there'll be one play in the red zone and it'll just be throw it up to Hakeem Butler. And yeah. Chances are he's going to come down with it. I will say that he does look every inch of six, seven. Like it's ridiculous how big and lengthy this guy is. But just like you said, like he's got I mean, his biggest hurdle is to beat out Miles Boykin. That's it. Because if you're going to keep your big four, obviously, and George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, Allen Robinson, and Calvin Austin, it's those final two spots that you're going to fight for. And that's you're going to have to beat up Gunner. You're going to have to beat out Miles Boykin. You you think Calvin's a lock for the roster? Yes. Yes. Calvin has been in from every single player and coach that I have talked to the last two weeks. Calvin Austin is the most impressive player at Steelers OTAs. Like, hands down. He's taken all he's he's the leader of the like when they're doing wide receiver drills, individuals and stuff, he's always the first one to go. Always. Freshman Jackson loves this dude. That's all I keep hearing. And Kenny loves this dude. Like he's, he immediately stepped into like a, when we're working first team offense, Calvin Austin's on the field. Like he's part of the, part of the game plan. So yeah, yeah, I do. I think actually, I think I for, you know, and obviously you got to put pads on, you got to stay healthy the whole nine, but early indicator if anybody is going to be a breakout player for the Pittsburgh Steelers this year, it's going to be Calvin Austin. And he's going to be real. That play against Patrick Peterson, since Patrick Peterson commented on it, I guess I'll uh, you know break a couple of rules here and talk about it as well. Like I'm talking smoke them, bro. Smoke. Like it was it was uh, one, two, move. Yeah. burned them. And that was like three plays in a row where Calvin Austin burnt somebody. Like he just, every time he was on the field, he just up, burned him there, up 14 yards ahead of this guy. Like it's just... He looks, he looks really good. And pads yeah. come on, things change. You know what I mean? Gunnar Olszewski taught us last year that just because you're open at OTAs doesn't mean you're going to be open to training camp. But, I mean, Calvin Austin was electric last year at training camp. So, if, it, if he just got better, you know, if he just if he just kept growing, I think that he's, yeah, yeah. I would say that, yes, he's a, yeah. he's a lock. I do want to answer this real quick about what I can and cannot comment about what I see in OTAs. So the way that it works is the Steelers are different than most teams in the league. Most teams allow you to have like a 20-minute viewing period where you could report on anything you see in that 20 minutes. The Steelers allow you to watch all of practice so that you could keep your mental notes and you could talk to players and try to get confirmation about certain plays afterwards. But that's the only way you can report on that stuff is if you get confirmation 
from a player that a certain play happened or that this happened or that that happened or a coach or whoever. But if they don't comment on it or, or if they're like, you know, some guys will be like, I don't want to talk about that. You can't talk about it. It's just it's just lost in the void, which stinks. But you got, you know, give and take in the NFL when it comes to that stuff. And I got in trouble day one because I was like, this this happened and this happened. And this coach said this one to this player. And I got called immediately. It was just like, hey, dude, you broke every rule. And I was like, I'm sorry, guys. I tried to get away with it. Didn't it's better work. than those rules are still, um, I, I think, better than like what other beat writers are dealing with. Like I have yes. I have buddies that cover like the Colts, um, buddy that covers the Falcons as well. It's, it's not it's not the same everywhere. You know, the Colts, no. the Colts are letting like their beat writers like watch like basically the equivalent of like one practice a week. So yes. like y'all think. Yes. Y'all think about like the access that you guys get from like Noah and, and some of the other like Steelers uh, beat guys that are there every single day. Like you guys are getting, you know, really, in my opinion, the cream of the crop type of information compared to like what other fan bases get. Because, um, you know, so they, they like Noah said, like they can they can cut it off to where, you know, basically you can only watch stretching. And that, yep. that sucks. And a lot so, of, most teams do. That's what most teams you're allowed to watch stretching. You're out. Donnie, Donnie Drew was when we were talking last week. He's one day, one day a week of OTAs. That's all the NFL requires yep. you to do. Steelers, the Steelers are great. I will say the Steelers are very cool with all that stuff. Plus, they feed us delicious food every day. So can't complain about that one. All right. Last thing I want to talk about is the right tackle competition that I am here to tell you is not real. We there, there was a rumor floating around that Dan Moore was taking reps at right tackle. That is very true. He has taken reps at right tackle, but it's all during like individual warm-up drills. None of it's during like team stuff as he alluded as he told us and it's it's not an overwhelming amount of snaps. It's not replacing Chooks or working with the first team. It's taking two or three reps of practice just to kind of get comfortable with the situation just in case something happens. Uh we did talk to him. I want you guys to hear it and then I want Derek, I want you to to, to tell me what you think about the situation as well. Where did you get over there, Dan? Today? Yeah. Oh, well, this week. Uh, this week, I, I about two or three reps of practice. I mean, not not too many, no, not, not too many reps. Nah, not, nothing crazy. Just just practicing, lining up, getting a feel for it, lining up next to James, um, just trying to get my set down, hand timing. No, nothing crazy though. So it's like people are running with this as a, a position move. This is just a little springtime comfortability thing. Isn't that, it? That's all. That's all it seems to be. Uh, you guys may more may know more than I do. I'm not sure, man. I, I <laughs> no. just do. I just do what these guys tell me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Thanks, man. All right, two or three reps a, a, a day at practice. Obviously, it, I think the biggest thing here is that the Steelers have made it very clear that they like Chooks, that they don't want. Chooks to be in a competition if Dan Moore is going to lose his job he's just going to lose his job that's it do you think that there's at any chance a moment during this summer where there is a right tackle competition and we do have to actually worry about that big of a change happening to the Steelers offensive line probably not I mean <laughs> Chooks is paid too so like yes. kind of what Kevin Dotson was saying about the Steelers going out and signing Isaac I mean once a guy gets paid like a second contract like that starter level money that's usually a good indicator that they're going to be the starter, man. Like yes. you're not, that's just how the NFL works. Um, I just want to credit more than anything. I, I do think that, you know, the rumor or whatever, I didn't, to be honest with you, I didn't even see it until you brought it up to me, but whatever was floating around on social media about like there being a competition, it, to me, no, I don't see that as a, as a competition at all, but credit to Dan Moore. Cause I know he said that like, he's been working on his own, 
Uh, yep. They didn't tell him to work it right or on the right side, but credit to him for doing that because, you know, that that is going to be extremely valuable. If he is the swing tackle this year, which, you know, if as long as Broderick comes along and he plays well enough in the preseason, that could potentially happen. Um, you know, he's going to need to be comfortable playing on the right. And, like, I yep. think that it's – it's not as easy as like, you know, you would think in Madden or something like that, just moving a guy to the other side. Like you got to think about, um, you know, it's basically like, you know, if you're a right-handed basketball player, like doing everything, including shooting with your left hand, like that's not yep. something like it, it is difficult. And some guys catch on to that quicker than others. Um, you know, everything's reversed, your footwork, your hand, your hand strikes, your placement, uh, your sets, like literally everything is different, like your weight distribution. So, um, yeah, it's completely different, man. Like, I, I, but I do think it's a good idea for him to be working at least on his own. Like you said, that some of it's, um, you know, come in individuals more than anything else. Like that's the time where you work on stuff like that. Yep. Like off to the side, like OTAs on your own. Uh, whether whether it happens in team and stuff like that, we'll we'll see. I'm sure that I'm sure that he will get some reps at right in training camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's of not going to be – but I do agree that it's not going to be – it's not going to be a competition. No, no. And and just to go off your point about how difficult it is, he described it to me as it's wiping your butt with the other hand, which I haven't tried since, but I think we should all <laughs> at least give it an attempt this weekend and just say, oh, well, that was actually pretty difficult. It is. It's, it's the complete – you are literally walking backwards for an entire game. That's what you're trying to do is you're trying to live your life walking backwards. Super difficult. Definitely shout out to him for that. I still think he's the runner to, to start at left tackle until proven otherwise. And I think that everybody on the offensive line kind of feels that way too. Like Project Jones obviously is viewed as the franchise left tackle of the future, but he's got to earn that reputation. He's got to earn that spot on the field. And right now he hasn't done so. Dan Moore came in here. I think he looked better than, than he's ever looked. And I think this is a good question as well. Just, just to clear this up, about Chooks really should be pushed because of the last year of his contract. His contract ends next season. He's yeah, got two he's more years left on his current deal. Yeah. So, and I don't think, look at the Steelers very much. So like James Daniels, like they view him as the future. Chooks is, is number two on that list outside of Broderick Jones, but they got to see him play. Chooks is number like they love Chooks. They think that he's capable of doing everything. They think he's a leader. They, they got no issues with Chooks. And I think that they felt the same way about Dan Moore. They just know that, they have to upgrade that position. He hasn't been doing it. Chooks hasn't had those same issues, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I don't, I don't think it's gonna be a, I don't think it's gonna be a competition, man. I think that's his no. job. So yeah, yeah. But Dan Moore does need to get he he does need to get some time in training camp just so that you know if something happens, you know, Chooks does you know go down for a little bit. Injuries injuries happen. I mean, it's we we've, we've talked about this all off season, but you know the Steelers aren't gonna get lucky like they did last year with you know, the injury front, like they were incredibly yeah. healthy, especially on offense, like all their starters pretty much played all the games, like the offensive line, like none of those guys missed any time. Like that's just not how the NFL works. Like regression is coming there. They're going to have to deal with injuries. And, you know, these backups, uh, potentially Dan Moore, you know, Herbig, guys like that, they're going to be called upon to play, you know, multiple positions on the left and uh, the right side. So being able to, um, you know, do those things is, is going to be crucial. So he does. I'm glad that he's already continuing to work on his own um, about that stuff. So, yeah, Dan's a good dude, man. And I, I've got that vibe the whole time is that he's here to just make the team better. The field stuff obviously struggled, but I think fans should be pretty should like this guy, you know, and should feel real good about the team player that he is because he's always been he's always been a good dude. Uh, I, I'll, I'll finish off with this one sticking with the offensive line. You still view Kevin Dotson as a 
as a trade piece that happens this summer? You think that because he's you know he's still here and he's taking team two reps and he's pretty open about the fact that he lost his starting job, but he doesn't seem too upset about the situation. Yeah, I mean, last year of his contract, we'll see how he plays in the preseason. But I just think there's there's potentially a team out there that could look at the highs and say like, all right, we got we really trust our offensive line coach. We see what this dude could yep. be. Maybe a team liked him coming out the draft. You know, he is heavily, heavily experienced. You know, he's been a two-year starter, even started a couple games as as a rookie as well. So experienced offensive linemen and guys that are, you know, I would call I would call Dodson, he's above replacement level. Like he's a potentially yeah. average starter, but he's just really inconsistent, which probably weighs him down to like replacement level, which led to him probably losing his job. Um, but I do think that like there will be a there could definitely be a team out there that says, like, look, we've seen what this dude can do, like when he's on yep. and this in the little stretches, the flashes and stuff like that. We think that we can make him more consistent. Um, and they'd be maybe willing to throw like a day three pick or a day three pick swap to Pittsburgh. Now, does Pittsburgh want to deal him? Like I just said, like they're not gonna get this lucky again with the offensive line health. They're gonna need yeah. backups. But you signed Herbig, so do you really do you need both those guys if Dodson's you know, if he's the fourth guard, like, is he, you know, you're potentially looking at somebody because he doesn't play center. Like, you're potentially looking at somebody that is inactive on game days. Like, yep. kind of goes back to the Mason Rudolph thing last year. If you've got a guy that's not even getting a helmet, if there is trade interest in him, even if it's a day three pick, it's like, what's the what's the return on that? Is it worth it? This and that. So, yep. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I think best case scenario is Dotson plays extremely well in the preseason. And then the Steelers had kind of the best of both worlds. They either have yep. like a backup that they feel extremely comfortable with, or they could potentially swap him for something maybe of little value. So, yep. I agree. I agree. And I think a name to watch the summer, which I don't expect to flash for us, but I think a name that, that, either sets up the Steelers very nicely or leaves them in the same situation that they're in right now as Kendrick Green. I don't expect him to impress us, but I think they want him to. And if he's a capable center, I could see that being a reason that the Steelers keep him and Herbig and trade out Dotson as soon as possible. Uh, I'll answer this one, and then we'll head out here. Najee Harris looks weight-wise. How does Najee Harris look weight-wise? I think he looks... He looks pretty much the same. He does look explosive. I thought Najee was fine. And last year when he got healthy, everything was good. I don't, I'm not going to ask him his weight. We made too big of a deal out of his weight last year for me to go up to this man and say, how much you weigh in these days? How was your off season? So one day maybe, but I would, I think Najee looks fine and we'll come training camp. We'll have a better idea because right now, none of it, none of it really matters. It's too early. With that, we're heading out of here. Thank you guys so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash All Steelers Talk, and check us out anywhere. You get your podcast. Find all of mine and Derek's work at allsteelers.com. Enjoy a beautiful weekend in the Berg. I will be back on Monday. Peace.